0: our focus. We remain in December of 2017 enthroning Jesus. He is our focus, and we will not stop looking at the one who got us where we are now. That's not going to stop. One of the things that has been happening um, in the past few couple of weeks, I think it's been about two two weeks, two and a half weeks, um, our pastor, Pastor Tiffany, she actually posted on Telegram anybody who wanted to get have a healthier lifestyle not a diet not just a temporary shift but she was inviting us into something that god had given her which was a healthier lifestyle and she invited us on telegram and a few of us ladies we joined the telegram that she already had going with some of the other ladies um just by sewing into our lives health um, exercising, good eating habits, good things like that. Um, so if you want to join, make sure you reach out to her. this, it It's a good telegram. Um, they make you accountable. They push you without pushing you. Um, just from them saying what they're doing provokes you to do something. And that's where we are. Just from living our lives in front of people, it provokes people to do things. Um, so, but what I, what I started doing is because when the, I first joined, I had some limitations. <laughs> There's some things going on, and I could not move like I wanted to, even though I would move like I wanted to. Many people didn't know what was happening, but there were some things happening. And so, when I first attempted to exercise, actually work out, I failed. I couldn't. I tried to walk, I couldn't walk. I was having a difficult time walking. I was having a difficult time doing sit-ups, everything, squats. I couldn't do anything. Anything that you start off doing, I could not do. But what I did, I was drawn to the water. Anybody who's real close with me knows I'm an avid swimmer. I might can't run, but I can swim. So I said, well, let me go to the water and let me get in the water. Y'all can have a seat. And let me get in the water and... um, in the water um, I was able to do things that I couldn't do in the air and when I first got in the water I just did my regular swim routine I just swam I swam some laps and um, I wasn't tired I didn't experience fatigue none of my joints were hurt and I was like this is the business but when I got out the water, I still was experiencing the same things I experienced before I got in the water. I still was having difficulty moving in the air on land. And so the next day I went back to the water because that became my best friend, the water. And so I went back to the water. And so the things that I would try to do on land, I said, let me try these things in the water. Let me see what's really going on. So when I got in the pool, I started, I tried to do some squats. I did about 10. I was like, well, I can do squats in the water. So I did 50 more. Didn't feel no pain, didn't get tired. I said, well, if I can do squats, let me see if I can do some leg lifts. Got in the water, did 100 leg lifts. Couldn't do it on land, but I could do it in the water. And so every time I got in the water, I began to do more and more, and more. I was able to freely move in the water. And God just began flooding my heart about how important it is for us to stay in the water. See, the water actually represents the word of God. It's important for us to stay in the word because you cannot freely move without it. There will be stumbling blocks and hindrances. But if you are in the water and you stay focused while in the water, you can do everything that you weren't able to do on land. But that's not the end of the testimony. In the water, I was able to do all these things. Little did I know it was preparing me to do it while on land. It did not stop. With being in the water. So a lot of times when we come into the presence of God amongst our peers, we don't understand that this is positioning us to go out into the world to do what we could not do before, make an impact. So now I've been in the water for about a week and a half. Now you can ask my husband. I be getting it in the house. I be getting it. I I outdo the children. They can't even keep up. But that didn't come just by me starting in the house. I had to get in the water and see if you if you get in the water a lot of people are scared of the water i can't swim i ain't getting in i'm gonna stay in the three feet i ain't going down into that six feet it's so many aspects of swimming in the water that god began to speak through and i was i was amazed so i say trust the water trust the word And see, when I was actually in the pool, I actually witnessed a, um, they have swim trainers and classes because they have the different lap section off. And I would look over and I would see the little kids swimming in the ankle deep. They was, you know, teaching them how to swim. And then I would see some of the older ones swimming in the knee deep. Then you got the big jokers like me that's all the way in. And that's how it is in the church. You got the children in the mindset, not children as children, but there are people who can only get in ankle-deep water. But they, there's 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 some water for you. And then you got the ones that can get in the three feet. There's some water for you. Then you got those of us who know how to go all the way in, and that's the water for us. But it's not until you step in until you realize that how easy it is. But as I was watching um the little classes go forth, I would watch them like man, I used to do that because I used to be a lifeguard. And I was like, man, I used to train people how to swim. I, I got scarred when I tried to train Elder Edwin when, when he kicked me. But <laughs> I'm not going to go into detail about that. Um, <laughs> but I was looking at how the first class, <laughs> the first set of classes I remember when I was seeing her train the kids, um, they teach you how to float. That's the first thing they teach you because – Floating is effortless. You don't have to do anything because of the nature of water. So no matter what size you are and how big you are, you have the ability to float, right? And so she was teaching the kids how to float, and then there was like a, she had to be about 45, may have been younger. She came in to get a swimming class too, so y'all can get swimming classes, you older people. And um, the person who was training her was Papa D., He introduced himself to me. His name is Papa D. And so Papa D was training her how to float because that's a part of your initial training. That's like the first couple of sessions you learn how to float. And it was easier for the older woman to float than it was for the child. And that, that really stuck out to me. She learned how to float within 30 seconds, whereas the child, it took them a couple of sessions before they really actually got that float thing down. And I wondered about that. So I began investigating. And as I investigated, I came across uh, some water um, elements. I'm not going to go into that. But the heavier you, heavier you are, the more weight you have, the easier it is to float. Older people, maturer people can float, and children have the inability to float automatically, so they have to be trained how to float. And this is something that really stuck out to me, because if you really think about it in the spirit realm, younger people have to be trained how to do things, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there comes a time in your life when you're older, and you should be able to float. You should be able to get in the water. You should be able to get in the word and trust the water. Because floating is something that a lot of people can't do only because of fear. They won't let go. If you ever let go in the water, water has the uncanny ability to quickly calculate how much weight you are and surround your body with what is needed to hold you up. That's the way water works. And that's the word. The way it works is it has quickly the ability to calculate what's going on with you and hold you up, but only a mature person can be held up in the water. Why is that so important? It prevents you from drowning. See, as I was investigating, I found out that 90% of drownings are from children. And that blew my mind, so I was like, Why do children drown at such higher rates than adults? And I thought automatically it had to do with floating, but it didn't. Children drown because when they're drowning, they cannot open their mouths and yell for help. They do not flail, nor do they kick. Children drown within 30 seconds. It's not like adults. What you see on the TV and how people be, help, help, and fighting, children cannot do that. When a, child, when a child goes underwater, immediately they open their mouth and gulp up everything around them. That includes the air. And so as a result, everything around them fills their being, and they're unable to cry out for help. They're unable to move. They can't do anything but drown. It only takes 30 seconds for a child to drown. But it takes a lot for an adult to drown because they know how to fight. They know how to move. But a child, it don't take that long. And so what I learned with knowing how to float, knowing how to stay afloat, knowing how to get in the water and trust the water, is that when you're a child, you can't do any of those things. All you can do is react in fear. When you're a child, you can't open your mouth and scream for help. And a lot of times, we would look around and see people who were unable to participate in praise and worship, they can't. They're drowning. We would look around and see people who who don't have right communication with people, they can't have right communication. They're drowning. And that's why you need to mature. Because it only takes 30 seconds to drown. As a child. But when you grow up. When you grow up, you able to to cry for help. You able to flail and move. Hey, look, I need some help over here. I'm drowning. But a child, you'll see them, they'll sit very quietly. When they're going through their storm and their drowning season, there is no worship. They just sit. This, this is why we, we ask people to be mature when they get married. Because if you're not mature when you get married and, and you're a man or a woman and you start drowning, that's when you give your spouse the silent treatment. Come on, come on. Drowning. You can't speak. And it has nothing to do with the circumstance, but it has everything to do with how mature you are. What age are you? It has nothing to do with... What actually happened? Because the same drowning and waters that the child experienced, the adult experiences the same thing. The difference is the age of the person. Oh and so we have to always be mindful of that. We have to always be mindful, just like we trust the water to float. we got to trust the word. When we trust the word, we allow the spirit to lead and guide us. And it's easy. It's easy. Anyone who's ever floated knows that's the best experience when getting in the water because it's easy. You don't have to do nothing but lay there and rest. It's easy. But when you begin to take matters into your own hands, and this is where a lot of us have error in, when we begin to try to move things out the way now, you know if you can't swim, you just need to float. When you begin moving your legs and feet and all that and you ain't got to that realm yet, that's when you tire yourself out. So I say just trust the water. Just trust the water. And so today I'm gonna come from, now y'all can stand up. I just wanted to talk about that water cause that was really, that was really, really an eye opener for me. Trusting in the word in this season, in all seasons, um, in every season. The word that comes from this pulpit, you trust in it. You you float in it. You swim in it. You go deeper and deeper. Um, I'm coming from First Peter verse um, chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, and I'm going to pray. Father God, I thank you and I bless your name. I glorify you for who you are, O oh God. I thank you, O oh God, that you are among us and within us, O oh God. I thank you and I bless your name, O oh God, for everything. I thank you for all things. I thank you in all things. God, I thank you and I bless your name for open hearts and open minds, O oh God, to receive that which you have to say unto each and every one of us on today. We give you praise, glory, and honor. 1 Peter verse chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. No that ain't it. Um uh, let's do chapter five and go to go to verse five and six. Okay, here we are. Um, and it reads, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, and give grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Amen. Y'all may have a seat. So now we've, we are actually in the midst of, like on the brink of the manifestation of being sought out, if anyone remembers that. We are... GRRC as a body, not just it's not just one person. We as a body are in the midst of being sought out. People are seeking us out for advice. People are now calling us, asking us what should they do. Um, people have been looking for us just to just to hear our voice people want to be in our presence more it's a lot we actually as a body are being sought out even our kids are experiencing that where their friends are coming to them pouring their hearts out because we are being named sought out and it's in it's in the midst of us but what we don't want to do which we a lot of times often begin doing is take matters in our own hands um, when it's God's mighty hand that got us here Many times in our own human nature, what we tend to do is when things change, if we get a new position, if a fresh wind blows, a breakthrough is experienced or a deliverance takes place, we, um, we try to look for ways to ensure we remain in that. We look for ways to cause things to be. Um, we begin planning for things that we don't have to plan for. We, we end up trying to make ourselves something that we already are. Like, like, for example, if, if somebody is called a prophetess, prophetess Marlene. Now, all of a sudden, for example, prophetess Marlene is called a prophetess. Now, every time she walked past everybody, a word from the Lord is in her mouth for you. I have a word from the Lord for you. I have a word. That's the type of things that we tend to do. Now you ordained as a pastor, now you're looking for speaking engagements. Now you are. you see what I'm saying? And that's something that we don't have to do. We are. We are and we were before we were. And so that's something that we don't want it to lead us to because that always leads us to bow to principalities, principles and steps to follow so that we can feel like we're operating in that which we've already been called. And so I admonish us all to just continue what and what has already been laid. We, we're in a, in a season where we're going with the wind. We're trusting the water. And we don't want to trust in a process. We don't want to trust in our instincts. We don't want to trust in our feelings. But we want to actually trust in the word. We want to trust in the water. Because we are trees planted by the rivers of living water. Our roots run deep and our leaves never wither. We are not subject to seasons, guys. There's no season. This is not a season. This is a lifetime. We are in eternity right now. We do not have to look for refreshing. Our refreshing is built within. One of the major hiccups that comes with promotion, I don't know, we've been promoted. We've been promoted as a body, but one of the major hiccups that come with promotion is pride and self-righteousness. And we must never, ever forget how we got here. We got here by enthroning Jesus. We focus on Christ. We focus on the light. We don't look at what's going on around us. We submit ourselves to Christ. We don't look, up, look on what's not going on around us. When that revelation was brought to us, many of us who embraced it were transformed immediately. that's where we are we're in immediate transformation if you receive the word and you take the word you receive grace to live in that what you have received you don't have to write down a list of things to do to receive that when you hear it it's yours so we have moved from glory to glory to another glory to more glory more glory to come we've had faith to faith to more faith more faith to come based off of every word that has proceeded from our house and from us trusting in that word. 1 Peter 5 and 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore. And so I'm going to take a pause right there. Because without this humbling, we can't be the latter. You can't be exalted without being humble. And one of the key things about being humble is that's something that you do. I cannot humble you. You can only humble yourself. We have experienced increase, and it was due to humility. Never mistake that. Never think it was something that we actually done in our own strength. We humbled ourselves under God's mighty hand, and he exalted us. We are we are to humble ourselves to instruction, correction, and rebuke. We are to humble ourselves through exhortation and encouragement. We are to humble ourselves to every word. We even humble ourselves unto the divine order of God. And that's something that a lot of women struggle with. If you don't humble yourself, you cannot receive the grace to become. Humble yourself under your husband, you will have grace to become. Even if he's wrong, as long as it's not sin, humble yourself under your husband. You will have grace to become. But we humble ourselves ultimately to the image and likeness of God. To humble ourselves is to make ourselves bow or surrender to. It has nothing to do with agreement. It has nothing to do with how you see it and why you feel it should be that way. It has nothing to do with every calculation that you have made. Well, I you know, this is how it looks. So, you sure we should do it that way? It has nothing to do with any of that. Humbling yourselves is an exchange of the guards. You let down your guard and you take in someone else's guard. No matter whether you agree or not. You don't even have to understand it. You don't have to comprehend it but you do need to do it. It's called humility. But false humility can fool man. Because you can humble yourself and not humble yourself. It's called false humility. It can fool man, but it cannot fool God. And as a result, the results you seek are temporal. Because false humility isn't an eternal principle. Humility is. But false humility will come to an end. And God will make sure of it. See, when you operate in false humility, you're you're automatically going to be put in situations that cause you to be offended. Automatically. Because God is trying to show you within your own self. It has nothing to do with the people around you because he may never show them. But he's trying to show you within your own heart that there's some pride in there. False humility causes you to go back and forth with people. See, this is not just for the saints. This from the, this for the elders and the saints. False humility will cause you to go back and forth with people to prove a point. When there's no point to be proven. We're all in this together. False humility is a byproduct of pride. And it will cause you to follow steps on honor and submission. It will cause you to read books on honor and submission. It will cause you to apply every principle on honor and submission. But when that offense hits, when something happens that you don't agree with or you don't like, that false humility will flee because it's temporary. It's not true humility. And that's what we need to make sure we root ourselves in. Because we have apostle in our midst. And he's a wise master builder. And when he builds something and he instructs us to go here and go there, we need to say, okay, we'll go, period. And it's important for us, many of us have already operated in true humility and we're able to impart it to others. But if that's an issue for you, you need to take heed because it's the position that God is requiring us to be in in this season. Humility. True humility is found in a person, and that person is Christ. We're made in his image and in his likeness, so it's not like you don't have the ability to humble yourself. He's given that to you. All you have to do is access it and do it. One of the definitions that I came across for the word humble is to change your character for the character of another. That's something that people have a difficulty doing. But then they don't have a difficulty doing. Many people will take on the character of something that they think looks glamorous. But when it's something that causes them to self-reflect, or if it's someone that causes them to sit quietly, or if it's someone that causes them to handle people with love and care, they won't trade in that character. They'll begin by telling you about how they were raised, the culture they were raised in. They begin by telling you, well, you don't understand what I go through. Instead of you just taking on the character of that person that's imparted into to you. And that's called false humility. False humility. One of the examples that I want to give is something that I used to operate in when I first um, got here. An apostle, he definitely will call your bluff in a very fatherly way. There was a time where an um, apostle would call me by my name. He would tell me who I was, and I would shake my head, no, just like you did, Marlene. That's false humility because no child has ever told their parent who they were and were not. I tell you your name. I called you LeVar, and so you answered to LeVar. And so that's another form of false humility that we cannot operate in this season. Once I tell you who you are, that's who you are. Not me per se, but if our spiritual parents call you to be something, you have no right to tell them that you are not that. You have that is false humility, that is pride. If you're called to be an evangelist by God, you're an evangelist. And you have that grace in your life. See, when you reject your calling, what you do is you reject the grace to operate in that. It's already in you. Sometimes you can't see yourself for who you really are, but your parents knew who you were when you were born because they were there. They named you. So we need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves. First Peter 4 and 6 says, humble yourselves Therefore. Under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Humbling yourself is a key component of appearing. God actually wants to exalt us. God wants to exalt us. That's his actual desire for our life, to lift us up. Just like Christ, if I be lifted up. He actually wants to do that. And currently, we're in, that, we're in that place where there's a raising up, and everyone's a part of it. Not one of us is left out, but if we refuse to appear and come of age, we won't experience it. We'll just be onlookers and bystanders, and that is not the desire of God. The truth behind humbling yourself is the motive and way in which you decide to humble yourself. In this scripture lies instruction, and it's the same instructions we've been getting all along, but if you read it too fast, you will miss it, and you will miss the grace that it gives you to do what you need to do, to be a partaker and not an onlooker. When you humble yourself, there is grace released to operate in everything you heard. It's not one word that you heard that you cannot have access to. We wear advancement. So, we should be advancing because we wear advancement. Our worship is to God alone. So, we should be worshiping to God alone. Those are words we receive. We appear. As we look on Christ, we appear. Into his self same image, we should be appearing. But you have to actually trust in that word, you had to humble yourself under that word because humility makes a thing easy. And that's something that we find difficulty in doing. We don't want things that look easy. Humility makes everything easy. Honor makes everything easy. Honor is the gateway to the glory. But if you don't honor that which is set before you, you can't go through the gate. 1 Peter 5 and 5 tells us that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Grace. Grace makes this thing easy. We don't have to live a hard life. It ain't no struggle. I heard a pastor on yesterday saying how hard it is to pastor. Got to go to this, go to that, go to this, go to that. Everybody calling on you. I looked at Elder Mills. Pastoring ain't hard. Yeah. Keep it moving. That's right. That's right. This thing is easy because it's yo. we're yoked to the easy one. A lot of people say leading in, leading in GRRC is easy. They have all these requirements. They got to go to 5 a.m. This thing is easy because grace makes the thing easy. And one thing about grace is you don't have to work for it. It's given, And that's what our God has given us, grace. Grace, grace that we're able to operate in because it's available to us all the time at all times I access grace on the job I access grace at home with the kids I access grace because grace is available when you humble yourself so that scripture says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and of course breaking apart that scripture I'm like well God what is your mighty hand what is your mighty hand I'm like We know that Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father, but what is your mighty hand? And I suggest to you that the mighty hand of God referred to in this particular scripture is the fivefold ministry, the mighty hand of God. And you may say, well, where'd you get that from, elder? I got it from the scripture. If you go up to verse five, it says, ye younger, submit yourselves unto The elder, not an elder, not an elderly person, not an old person, not by age, the elder. Who is the elder? The elders is the fivefold ministry of God. If you read verses 1 through 3, go go all the way up to verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof not by constraint but willingly, not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind, neither as as being lords over God's heritage but being examples to the flock. The fivefold ministry. That's the mighty hand of God. A lot of people have a problem with that because they don't like to humble themselves under people they only want to answer to God but the mighty hand of God is the apostle the prophet the evangelist the pastor and the teacher the mighty hand of God the importance of leaders are important because of the lifting of the people those leaders must 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 leaders leaders in training leaders of home leaders in work Leaders of families, leaders in school, leaders. We must be leaders that are a witness and partaker of the glory. We must lead by example, not in word alone. It means nothing for us to speak into people's lives without showing them what that life looks like. We are to be able to tell individuals to look on us, just as Peter and John told the lame man at the gate called Beautiful. They had that man look at them before they ever spoke a word. And that's what we as leaders must do. People should be able to look at us before we ever impart in in their lives so that they'll see that what they're speaking, they actually live. So they got to have this thing right. It was that, that coupling together of the looking at and the word received that caused that lame man to walk. And that's something that we, let, we have to look like and speak what we look like because that's the only way we can cause people to stand up and walk. That's how we lift people up, the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due season. When we look like him, we can tell people to look on us, and as they look on us, they will receive the strength to rise up and walk. By default. Thus the scripture says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. Only the mighty hand of God can exalt you in due season. And it's been in the scripture the whole time. Peter and John look on us. Where's that? Acts? Go to Acts. Is it Acts 3? Let's see if it's X three. Hmm. It's five. No, no, it's three. Is it three? Go, go to the next verse, please. Okay. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Now, I want to pause right here because I need to say something. We need to understand that this particular verse of Scripture was actually after Jesus' ascension. And the reason why we need to understand that is because a lot of people don't feel like they should have to look up into a person. But this particular passage shows that Jesus was gone from the scene, but he was still on the scene through these two men. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter, they saw, he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple. But he asked him of alms. He didn't ask them for salvation first. That's the nature of man. They asked for money. And Peter looked his eyes upon him, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. That was the first instruction given. Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And he got something, too. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Now, that's not our testimony. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we don't have to say those exact words we got silver and gold but such as I have I give to thee and but we do have this in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk go to verse 7 and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength that's what we are the fivefold this is what we are supposed to be doing We're supposed to be taking people by the hand. We're supposed to be picking up that piece of tissue and lifting it up. That's what we're supposed to be doing. One thing as leaders we must always remember is to be Christ in every way. Every way. Not just in authority, not just in dominion, but Christ himself humbled himself even until death. We must be humble as well. We cannot be an extension of God's body and not be like God. We must be humble. We must surrender under God's mighty hand. There's no competition in the hand. The hand works together. You don't never see the thumb fighting against the pinky or the ring finger fighting against the index finger. We all work together. We don't argue and fight with one another. We, the hand actually respects one another's place. They don't crisscross. They don't do nothing. Sometimes they like to touch and stuff, but that's what you call communion. But they don't fight with one another. They don't work against one another. We must honor one another. We must honor the work that each of these ministries have. We must honor the people. It's called humility. If they, the scripture said, an apostle went over this, if you give a prophet a glass of water, you receive a prophet's reward. And that reward is hearing and seeing God in unconventional ways. If you give an apostle a glass of water, you, you receive the grace to become a wise master builder. If you give an evangelist a glass of water, see, it goes all the way down. You, you receive the ability to provoke men to surrender to Christ and draw men to the gospel. If you give a pastor a glass of water, you receive the ability to lead people and love them into their becoming. Love them into their becoming. If you give a teacher a glass of water, you receive the ability to break the word down where there is no lack of understanding. Everyone deserves a glass of water. If you give God's people a glass of water, you receive the ability to love God's people unconditionally. Everybody gets a glass of water. We all give one another a drink. We all have a well of water springing up inside of us. But it takes humility. I can take a drink from Sister Stacy. It does not matter that I'm an elder. She can give me a drink. But it takes humility. Oh oh but if you can't humble yourself, Under that, you won't receive the grace that Sister Stacy May has on her life. If you look at people after the flesh and not after the spirit, you will have a difficulty receiving the grace of God that God has placed in them. And that's something that we cannot do where we are going. There's something in all of us, and I'm going to take a drink. I don't care whether you like me or not. You're going to give me a drink because I'm going to honor you. Everybody has something. Everybody, God has blessed all of us. But the key to getting that drink is humility. So we have the fivefold ministry. We got the apostle, the prophet, I'm going to keep saying it. The evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher that we humble ourselves under. And it causes us to be exalted in due time. The humbling of yourself is not to just them as an office. Like, just because I say I'm Prophetess Mills don't mean that you humble yourself just to me as having an office. But you humble yourself to my life and the word that I speak. And when they align, you humble yourself under that. You trust in the water. That comes from these five ministry gifts. It is the fivefold ministry that grants us access to the fullness of God. It's the instruction given from them that we must humble ourselves to. When humbling yourself to enthroning Jesus, passion, adoration, thanksgiving, appearing in hope, we are able to receive the grace to be exalted. Being exalted is not what we thought it was. Being exalted has nothing to do with a title, a platform, or a promotion. Although those things may be attached to it, but it's not the primary focus of exaltation. Being exalted has everything to do with becoming the exalted one. Everything. When we humble ourselves under the fivefold ministry, which is God's mighty hand, we are exalted we are then seated in heavenly places far above all the principalities mights and dominions we are exalted we come into perfection for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ we all come in the unity of the faith and of a knowledge of the son of god unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ we rise up we walk this is the exaltation that is received from humbling yourself. We appear. We receive grace to become. We don't have no rules, no steps, no principles. Just humility in its purest form. Trusting the word of God which is spoken and lived by our leaders, our spiritual fathers, the fivefold ministry gifts that are in our midst. That's what humility does. Trusting in the word that comes from these ministry gifts is far more than hearing the word and agreeing with it. For humility brings forth the ability to surrender our character to the character of those you truly humble yourselves to. You will begin to look like that which is covering you. Humility releases grace to duplicate. The apostle lifts up another apostle. The pastor lifts up other pastors. The prophet lifts up other prophets. The evangelist lifts up other evangelists. And the teacher lifts up other teachers. The mighty hand of God is exalted through duplication. Now you have people who live in atonement, understanding them and believing that they are the hand of God, that we are partakers with Christ, that we are one with him. In this earth, we have a mandate. We have a mandate now that mandates us right now to sink or swim. The time is now to position yourselves in humility. The time was past to position yourself in humility. The time is now to trust in the word. Trust in the word that comes from our leaders. Trust in the word, period. The time is now to humble yourself. Don't miss the time focusing on your time. Don't miss the time which is now focusing your time. Your time means nothing. The time is now. The time is now. Now we are exalted now to be the exalted one now we are exalted to exalt others now the time is now you can all stand you can all stand